Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. I am super excited tonight. Matt Burke from Have Good Have Gun Will Travel is on the show. Uh, we had Scott Anderson in not quite a year ago, but uh, it's hard to get these guys nailed down because number one, they don't live in Tampa. Number two, they, they work a bunch and travel a bunch. And then with COVID, you guys have slowed down a little bit. But I, you you played an Ella's show not too too long ago, didn't you? Yeah, we've done a couple things um, over the you know the last few months. Basically, kind of like uh, you know whatever we feel. Um, it's respectful of the. We feel, you know, that the that the venue is being, uh, you know, taking some safety precautions and and trying to be cool of all the, you know, um, you know, CDC regulations and stuff like that. And so when if we feel comfortable with it, you know, which a lot of our like, you know, Tom DeGeorge with Crowbar and stuff like that, whole like, safe and sound initiative, yeah, yeah, the whole that whole thing. Um, so I mean, the few things that we've done um, over the last few months have been, you know, people that we truly trust and believe are trying to do things the right way and you have a big is it may 15th yeah may 15th we're playing at uh, new world brewery that's pretty awesome i'm going tomorrow night to see will quinlan and uh yeah i'm, yeah. I'm excited that they're you know starting to i am pick too, up man. again we'll see how it too. goes but i, I yeah so any event well thank you so much for coming in i appreciate you making the trek from from south of the south of the skyway bridge yeah as it no, were. absolutely um I've been uh, texting people that know you uh, yesterday and today, yeah. asking for <laughs> stories. Awesome. I was talking to Scott and Sean Kyle and <laughs> nice. all these people. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Scott, Scott, when he was in here, he kind of paints himself as the the businessman or kind of the facilitator yeah. of whichever group he's in. But everybody kind of refers to you as the artist. Like, you know, uh, Sean is very complimentary of your songwriting, your oh, song cool. craft and all that stuff. I love Sean. He's awesome. But uh, as I understand it, your roots are not in Americana folk, Southern type music. Right. It's more of a punk skateboarding yeah, thing, which I, I think Scott kind of comes from a little bit yeah, too. For sure. For How sure. far back do you two go? Um, well, we go back as far as the uh, the beginning of Have Gun Will Travel. So, and maybe what ages were you guys tiny, about? A little bit, maybe a little bit before that. So. Um, this was, I started Have Gun as kind of a solo side project from my previous band, which was more of a kind of punk and indie rock band called, uh, The Chase Theory. And we were, we had done that, my brother and I, Danny, um, and our drummer, JP, we were, we were a trio. We started as a four piece, lost one of the guys, decided not to, you know, change, not to add another guitar player or whatever, ended up being a trio. Um, and so we did the chase theory thing for quite a while. And in that, during that time is when I met Scott because he had moved down. So I was probably in my mid twenties. He's from the Bible belt, wasn't he? He's from, uh, Canton, Georgia. So, um, so, um, a little bit, I think North, uh, West of Atlanta, about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. Um, so he moved you know, down to the Tampa Bay area uh, and, and was in a band um, with Dean Johansson. I don't, I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard. Yeah. I'm so building were, this family tree of yeah, Central yeah. Florida music. All the limbs. That, it really just connects. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's all this weird stuff. That, totally, you know, totally. I've had a bunch of the Holy Terror guys on and they all have this weird yeah, structure between yeah, them yeah, too. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, so we go back as far as that. His band and, and our band at the time played a few shows together back then. 
Um, and then when I started doing Have Gun Will Travel as kind of a solo side thing, um, he kind of came on board as, uh, you know, guitar. Was he doing the steel guitar? The pedal? The pedal? Yeah, yeah. Was he the doing it at that time? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so cool. I mean, that's kind of. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Kind of the. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, the the idea of an Americana band from Sarasota to me just always kind of, you know, those those are not two things that you would line up with no, each no, other. Definitely, definitely not. But that's what I love so much about the, the band is, you know, a lot of these songs you're singing, you know, people who don't know the area could be listening to it and think it could be about any town, you know, in oh, the South or sure, whatever. For sure. But for me, you know, Sarasota, in my mind, at least, is Anna Maria, is Dick Vitale, is Jerry Springer, yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. where all these wealthy people have totally, you know you totally. know but there's this other side to it you know absolutely there's the small town kind of version of Bradenton that I grew up in which had nothing to do with tourism or you know any of the kind of like higher society you know what i mean we were yeah. very kind of like um low uh economic kind of uh bracket family and uh grew up in you know duplexes and what is Burke? apartments is that stuff like that it's Waspy, irish it's yeah. irish um i don't know how far back um the generations go from you know as far as like as far as like migration or like when my ancestors i've kind of tried to get into that a little bit but i've never done like the whole you know well, now with all the apps Send and all the it, things, yeah, I mean, and, you can probably get into it a lot. A lot oh, I did. Lot I, I the greatest yeah. gift I got from it. I did the ancestry, and I found out that I'm 10 percent Ashkenazi Jew, um, and I oh, thought shit. I was like straight Irish Viking Scottish, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. And so I called all my Jewish friends, and I'm like, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. So <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was pretty stoked. Exactly, I was pretty stoked about that. <laughs> um, now, your family, how many brothers and sisters? It's just well, uh, so my brother and I grew up together. Uh, and then when my, uh, when my parents separated and my mom remarried, um, I have a sister, so half sister, but I, I don't consider, you know, I just consider yeah. our sister. So it's, uh, me, my brother, Danny, and then our sister, Alex. Um, and so we, uh, you know, Danny and I started super early on. You guys pretty close in age? Uh, he's three I'm three years older. Okay. So, so were you the one who introduced him to all the cool music or? We kind of at the same time because it was like um, we grew up super. Uh, How old are you? Religious. 45. You and I. The same I age. The same yeah. age. Yeah. And so I like we grew up super religious. Um, my dad was kind of like he was a he was a musician and a songwriter, but he was also really heavily into the church and involved with the church. And so we were at church like all of the, you know events that you could go to we were there every sunday obviously and then wednesday nights and then you know danny and i were involved in like the kind of like there was kind of like our church's version of boy scouts um we were in that and so you know whatever so we were like it's a right breeding ground for music though well it's kind of crazy and it kind of goes off the rails at a certain point well but that's because there's you know, just to pontificate, no, yeah, yeah. somewhat of a pun intended, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> totally. uh, you got your fire and brimstone being pushed into your brain before you're old enough to even really kind of know yeah. what to do with that. Yep. You've got this tradition of kind of gospel music that depending on which sect of religion you're involved in plays a, a pretty big role. There's a lot of death and, you know, guilt and no. yep. all of these themes that find their way into better music. And so For sure. as kind of, uh, you know, 
relegated to the sidelines as religion has become in a bad way, it really kind of plants a seed, I think, in a lot of people. It does, it and does. some of the best artists, you know, depending on what your tastes are, but I was, I've been, uh, uh, watching, uh, the show billions lately. And there's yeah, an episode yeah. I was watching last night. And they were talking, I think it was Al green or something. It was talking about his history and religion. And I remember, uh, barely, barely legal podcast for me was based off of, uh, the, what the fuck podcast that Mark yeah, Maron yeah, does. Mark and Marin, yeah. he did a long one with, uh, father John Misty. And he was talking about that, yeah. growing up super, super religious mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. So I always love hearing that story. So anyways, yeah, let me hear the yeah, story. Yeah. Let me so hear the story. You know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of an unfortunate one because, uh, you know, as it turns out, um, when my parents separated, which, uh, I was, I think, 10 years old. My brother Danny was seven, uh, when that happened. And, um, and all of a sudden, kind of like our entire kind of church community started treating the family differently and stuff like that. Because judgmental of the family across the board. Yeah. Just because that's, Divorce isn't something that you do. And you know what I mean? It's like, and then I kind of like over time kind of discovered a lot of kind of just, you know, just like kind of nefarious shit that goes on behind the curtains. You know what I mean? And um, just a lot of the kind of like typical uh, westernized kind of organized religion kind of hypocrisy that you tend to hear about is precisely what was happening at the time and going on in our church. And there was, you know, just some nasty shit. And so that kind of, um, after we got out of that, I mean, that's when you're brought up, you know, for the first kind of decade of your life being told, this is what the universe is. And this is everything that kind of, you know, this is how the universe was created. Um, And then, Got, kind of getting like the you know the the rug pulled out from under you um the way that it was it you know it has an effect that you don't realize is happening oh, at the time you know for what I mean? sure. kids are super resilient and yeah. you just kind of fucking kids can kind of just take what comes at them and you just you you would make some adjustments and you just keep moving forward or whatever but like Looking back later, kind of in the rear view, you kind of go, oh, man, I totally had a, you know, reaction to all of that stuff. You know Did you I mean? lose your faith or was it kind of, yeah? It's definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was questionable for a while and then it got to a point where it's like, you know, mad at yeah. being taught certain things, you know what I mean? That the people that were teaching you didn't even really believe to begin with, you know? Was music in your life at that time? It was, because my dad was a musician, a really good uh, musician. He was a multi-instrumentalist, still is, multi-instrumentalist and songwriter. And um, Did he teach you the craft, or did you just kind well, of pick it up through what osmosis? He did was, um, he definitely encouraged, and he, um, one of the really kind of sweetest things was he had this really uh, nice uh, Les Paul, I think it was a classic, Les Paul, um, that he at a certain point sold to buy my brother and I acoustic guitars. Wow. And um, and then he would get, you know, he got us like a couple of the beginner, like Mel Bay kind of, you know, beginner guitar books or whatever. And he gave us a couple of lessons. Uh, and then he kind of just left, le- you know, left it in our hands, basically. And I had prior to that taken... Um, about a year and a half of uh, piano lessons. So right. that was kind of the foundation when I was probably eight, you know, seven, eight years old. 
Um, and so then we got guitars. We kind of started, you know, kind of messing around with those. And then um, kind of the real uh, beginning of us kind of starting to, to, you know, mess around with the idea of being in a band together <clears throat> there was another set of brothers that were like our same age uh, that lived one street over from us in our neighborhood. It was uh, Corey and Russell. And they were, um, they saw that we were on messing around on skateboards and we saw that they were messing around on skateboards. And I, I forget which one of us approached the other, but one, you know, one of us came over to the other and said, we should hang out or skate or what, you know, whatever, started hanging out together um they introduced danny and i to some music because at the time we had Look grown at skateboarding up. this is a dude skateboarding and music is such an important they're so tied together they've they're so to tied this together. day you know the way i learn about most new music is through skateboarding movies oh man i mean i found the ocs through a crooked mark gonzalez movie nice. I, you know these you know it, yeah, it's yeah. always like yeah I don't know how they kind of learn of this stuff, but it, yeah, it, they're on the, they're kind of like ahead of the curve for which, sure. Yeah. You know I mean, anyway, um, but yeah, we, uh, so we started skating with them. They were kind of like, uh, they, they got us into, you know, introduced us to like the cure and, and, uh, Depeche Mode and, and, you know, disintegration is one of my favorite oh, albums dude, of all time. That album. I was thinking about this. I have this memory that is so vivid that it's in my mind it's kind of cinematic and we like we i remember this this night they lived a block away and we agreed that we were going to uh sneak out after our parents went to bed sorry dad yeah. um and so the statute of limitations <clears throat> yeah there is <laughs> it's definitely run run out <laughs> um and so i would say this was probably I was probably about 14 and my brother Danny was like 11. And so, so 89, 88. Yeah. 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 So your Guns N' Roses and Nirvana are just oh, starting dude. to make their way out. Dude, GNR for sure. Yeah. Um, um, Metallica what? and Justice, Justice for, all, for All. You know, Mother's one Milk. One was on, was, the video for one was on. Oh, God. And it true. was like, that kind of changed the Everything. Game. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, this one particular night, we, uh, you know, they come over, knock on the window. We climb out the window. Dad's already asleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so we take off down the street and we're going just, we're going to go down to, we live just a few blocks away from the local like Manatee kind of uh, community college. Where are you near Manatee Avenue? Because so we have, we go every summer we go down to Interim. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah. you bomb over the Skyway and then bang a ride on Palmetto and you just go all the way out to Manatee Avenue. So are you in this so area? Manatee Avenue is kind of the north end of Bradenton. Sure. Um, <clears throat> we were um, kind of further south and uh, basically where the, uh, Community College is, which used to be called MCC back in the day, which was Manatee Community College. Um, I forget what they've changed it to now or whatever, but we were like kind of right in that in that neighborhood. So um, I have this image of us kind of like coming around the corner, the four of us, you know, from ages 11 to 14, you know, this was probably like one in the morning. We were just planning to go to the 
college and skate around on the campus because there was some cool shit. There Late was some benches skating, and some, you for know, sure. um, And so I remember having like this little kind of boom box with a strap on it that, you know, carried with us when we were skating and listening to Fascination Street. It was, it, it's transcendent, it's kind of, it, transcendent, it's yeah. transformative. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of ingrained in my mind as this super like, you know, this kind of like personality forming moment. You know what I mean? So I, I love the word that actually I'm going to do this. Really, I brought a banjo in here with a false hope of you playing it, but I can hear it echoing the whole time. Oh, <laughs> I'm put it in the sun nice. Over here. <laughs> yeah. The first time I've gotten to it walk definitely, out of the studio during an episode, but I can just hear it. It was resonating, resonating. around. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> plain song, the song that opens that album. Yeah, yeah. So my, my wife and I, we met at Stetson Law School, and uh, you know she lived on the campus. So we would study in the library till that library closed, and then we go back to her room and you know do the things that you do in dorm rooms later on yeah. and so we'd always put music on and for whatever reason that was the cd that was in her play and when plain song comes on it feels like the end of a john waters movie to totally me totally like you know like the the, the person's house was destroyed and the girl and the guy that shouldn't be together are together it's, it's cinematic music you know what yeah. i mean like you really can kind of like it belongs in some really heavy scene of a movie or for something. Sure, you know I mean? For sure. For sure. There's a, a lot album. of bands. There's a lot of bands, you know, that have that quality to their music, but they're, but that album in particular. Uh, so what else were you listening to so when you were skateboarding in the late eighties? I mean, circle jerks was a huge one. Thrashing wild in the streets. Yeah, I mean, that's how I looked. Yeah. Circle jerks six. The album um, was, I had it on vinyl and we were, this is so, something only specific to like me and my brother because there was um a version of i'm not sure if you're you're probably familiar with daddy cool records in oh, for st sure. petersburg before he was in st petersburg um he was he he had a is this uh, manny or the older guy uh tony the, old, yeah, yeah. the older dude um and so he had a spot in sarasota but even before that he had a tiny little store in a little strip mall in Bradenton on 26th Street, three blocks from our little duplex oh, that we lived that's in. That's huge. Dude, Walking distance. Dude, it was skateboarding distance. Yeah. So it was like every other day we were going to the record store, flipping through shit. And it was like, you know, at that point, you don't have, um, you know, obviously none of us had the uh, benefit of the internet to kind of like sample things before you decide to, you know, it commit MTV. to, it was to, MTV. to a record. Yeah. It was MTV or else it was flipping through records at an actual record store. And, and that's and a cool cover. Like, this cover fucking kicks ass. Right, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. And so uh, that's kind of what it was for us. And we, you know, I remember getting uh, DRI, Four of a Kind, and like, uh, you know, Circle Jerks 6 and Group Sex and, you know, these records um, that – I can't even believe our parents. Like, well, they just didn't know. I, I mean, mean do you have didn't... kids? I do. 
you're so fucking tired that it's like, yeah, you know, you my, don't pay attention to everything. They're my daughter's sure. always on her iPad and my wife's like, what's she watching? It's like, it's ISIS recruiting videos. You know, she's, yeah, yeah. she's learning how to use a saber or do like the monkey bars <laughs> and the, you know, field right. dress a machine gun or whatever. Right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but that's great. I, yeah, I remember, uh, what was the, the, the heavy metal show that was on MTV later? Oh, night? uh, Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball in 120 yeah, yeah. minutes. That, oh, I lived and God, died by dude. that because everybody else was asleep and was never at my house. 100%. My parents were school teachers. We couldn't afford cable, so we didn't yeah, have yeah. it. But anytime I got to spend the night over at somebody's house, without fail, when everybody went to bed, I'd go back in and turn it on and watch one of those. And Dude, that's, you know, butthole surfers and just that all That was, you know, that was appointment television. That was like something you're looking forward to the whole week. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Headbangers ball. And they would have these random minutes. bands on that, like, in today's corporate television, like, Th- those bands wouldn't be on. No way. You know, it's no, so- not in a million years. There's bands that, you know, that were able to have videos on either of those two shows that were just like, there's no way, you know, like, how did this, how did this band even get a budget to make a video right, to begin right, right, with? You right, know what I mean? Because yeah. you had to, back in those days, people didn't have cameras at their disposal, Oh, no, it was a fucking, I mean? like, yeah, it was. Your label had to pay for a video to be made there had to be a production like a budget and shit i always joke you know when i you know i've been practicing law for like 20 years and Mm -hmm. around about 10 12 years ago is when they started doing videos for youtube for and literally it's like for five grand we'll come out and shoot a video for you that you can just play on youtube and it's like five thousand dollars screen that's like i could do it on my phone and do a new one every day and it doesn't cost me anything so exactly i I know it's much the same way there yeah yeah um, for sure so uh let's just for a second take a take a sidestep over Mm -hmm. to skateboarding so what was your first deck okay so there's a there's a gradual um kind of you know, arc to this. It started with Don't one say of those. Flex. It's coming. Okay. <laughs> so it started with one of those plastic Nash little like banana shaped fucking. Basically, stables. the penny board that now kids spend a shit ton of money yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one yeah. of those. Um, you know, and then the next thing was the Veriflex. That was kind of like. We didn't know any better at the time. You know what I mean? Coping like, on the trucks, nose guard, yeah, tailbone, rails. All the rails. Weighs like all 25 the, pounds. Yes, yeah. It was ridiculous. The bearings barely move. You know what I mean? Um, we didn't know any better. Like we weren't yet, you know, into like Thrasher Magazine and Transworld Skateboarding and stuff like that yet. And then. Search for know, Animal Chin. Yeah. All that stuff. Once we finally did kind of find out about that stuff, then we started wanting the, the cooler shit. You right. know what I mean? And I remember the first board that I actually bought in pieces and put together myself was a uh, Powell uh, Mike Valelli. Oh yeah, which I, I mean, I the feel elephant, like the elephant, yeah, on the, the elephant bottom. graphic. Yeah, yeah. I still want to get a tattoo of that graphic because it was like that board itself. That particular deck was like. He used to be an urban legend. I would always hear that like he was in Florida and like someone skated with him at Publix. And I know it was bullshit, but I'd always hear that story. Yeah, yeah. No, we had a guy actually that kind of resembled Valeli a bit in our our neck of the woods in Bradenton. And he um, kind of skated like him and he ollied like, you know. Just brutal, like like Like, no fear, just fucking owning everything. Yeah, going nuts. Um, but yeah, he was one of those guys where it's like, you know, it's unbelievable. And what, 
And now he sings for fucking Black Flag. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> or, or one of the Black Flags. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's funny because they they were at uh, Ferg's not too too long ago, within a year or two ago. And I, I, I kind of wanted to go just to see what it would be. And I don't even remember... Because there's like flag and then black flag and it's all yeah split yeah up. it's kind of hard to but keep up with just but just just to say that I went and then him be singing you know that would be right well and what kind of ties up that whole uh, that whole kind of storyline there is that um, a few years like five years ago when we were touring uh, we went out to the west coast it was kind of our first time really spending any time out there and we did like a week and a half worth of shows on the west coast. And uh, we played a show like in uh, like Long Beach, and uh, he came out. Really? He was, yeah, he was into it. He liked the band. We gave him some records. He gave us. He signed a a deck. You and tell him about us. your first deck and tell yeah. him how important. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. He's a cool guy, and he's. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. big into hockey. He <clears throat> sings for Black Flag. He's yeah. got his own skateboarding company. Oh, he's had TV shows on. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. He was in the fucking. Uh, what was the one? What was the one with uh, Bradley Cooper where their guys get married? Oh, uh, hangover. Yeah, yeah he's, yeah, he's yeah. the guy that's hanging out of the van, like giving them their their clothes when they're like rushing to Is get he? married. Yeah, he's the one that's hanging out of the van, like throwing <laughs> shit to them. So that's awesome. he just kind of pops up in these random. Yeah, ones. yeah. So now you now your brother he plays drums or played drums in the band. Is that no? He's a bass player. Oh, okay. Who's brother the drummer? Um, well, our previous drummers. drummer uh, that we had for the first kind of like most you know the probably first decade or so of the band was our buddy JP who uh, Danny and I had kind of grown up with since like middle school. Um, and then, you know, we kind of got to a point, we've been doing this band for a long time. People, you know, eventually kind of people's uh, priorities shift and stuff like that. And uh, he decided he, you know, he wanted to kind of do something else. He want, you know, he didn't have the time to make the kind of, you know, kind of commitment and stuff um, that the band needed from him. Uh, and so he left at the end of, um, 2019 and we were, so he made it through most of the albums except the most recent one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then, and he got out of the band right, kind of right before COVID hit and everything like that. You know? <laughs> 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 you should let him manage of... your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some lottery ticket. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, now we're playing with, uh, Sam Farmer, who's, uh, Awesome. He's uh, he plays with a couple different bands in the in the Bay Area. He's really so good. so. You're weaned on punk, skate music, and all that other stuff, yeah. and then you kind of escalate into that with Chase Theory. And how is it that you kind of turn the corner? And and you know what is it that you first heard, or what is it that kind of puts you onto that music? For me, I, I kind of reverse engineered into Uncle Tupelo from Wilco, which you got the sweatshirt on. I did. Like, yeah, I did a similar thing. <clears throat> um, it was. It was kind of like uh, coming into my late twenties, I guess, um, and feeling like we had done about as much as we really were going to be able to do with the the, the previous band. Um, it just seemed like I started getting more into the kind of the the songwriting side of things, and in doing that. I was getting more into, you know, Bob Dylan and getting into. I was just going to ask Dylan where, yeah, what, yeah, what role yeah. he plays in your life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, you know, getting into that, getting into, uh, you know, Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and stuff like that. And kind of like the real heavy hitters of the kind of songwriting world in the more 
kind of you know Americana sense of of things that you know um, the roots of your kind of if you like Zevon or uh, Loud Rain Ride yeah, or yeah, yeah both yeah, are yeah. amazing. Um, but it was that, and it was also I'll tell you the one record that kind of planted the seed before I was even really paying that much attention was um, the uh, Sunvolt Trace album. So that, that's not the first one after the breakup, is after, it? Yeah, it is. Okay. So after Tupelo broke Bre- up, uh, Jay Farrar formed Sunvolt and Trace. That Trace album. Um, it was a, a buddy of ours. We were we were on tour, and uh, our buddy Jason was. It was his van, and he was driving, and so he was playing the music, and he put in the that CD. Uh, and it was like, we just, it just hit me in the right way at the right time. We were driving and we were kind of, you know, somewhere in the Midwest and just a long kind of empty highway road with not much to look at on either side. As you're thinking of Kerouac and, and, and yeah, yeah, Hunter and Thompson totally, and this kind of, yeah. Totally. And, and just that album with like, May the wind take your troubles away. You and feel like, like you know, yeah, you feel like, like you're in a in a in a you know Steinbeck novel absolutely. or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, like that record, before I even really started thinking about doing "Have Gun Will Travel" as a as a thing, that kind of planted a, a seed that a couple of years later I would, you know, go on to kind of like further dig into, and that's what kind of led me to Tupelo and to you know, all the other um, stuff that was, you know, considered, you know, what people would maybe consider Americana or or alt country or, you know, roots, whatever. Um, but getting into that and getting into like Graham Parsons and uh, Flying, Burrito Flying Burrito Brothers, Brothers and that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, um, all of that stuff just started mixing around. And the first little EP that I made was a home recorded thing. Uh, my wife got me this, like, um, for my birthday one year, got me this just, uh, you know, digital multi-track recording console, you know, where everything's all just in the thing and you just plug in a couple of mics and, you know, whatever can mix it all on the same thing. You can burn a CD straight from it. Um, got me one of those and that was kind of the beginning of it. The first songs that I started, uh, recording on that, writing and recording on that ended up being, um, a Have Gun Will Travel self-titled uh, like seven song EP that I just put out myself, burned copies of the CD and would play solo shows and sell that CD at the show. Just around that, that part of town or did you? Well, around Tampa Bay area. Yeah, yeah. Is getting, there a you scene know, of bars down there, venues? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know it that well down there. Not in Bradenton, no. Okay. I mean, I, you know, especially not at the time, really. There was a couple of venues um, that were, you know, uh aces aces lounge was a really cool spot um on cortez road it's not there anymore unfortunately but um there were a few venues that were cool there were some bars that you know that like to have original music it's a weird cross-section i mean we've kind of mentioned that earlier mm-hmm. but you get the very wealthy coast yeah i mean coming through Pal- palmetto is pretty you know ethnic yeah and yeah. then you know, you can find yourself in trailer park type situations in various little pockets. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. you know, I always, I always uh, am interested uh-huh. down there. I mean, two blocks in any direction, you're in a different world. Totally different yeah. neighborhoods. And um, 
you know, and it's I've we're fortunate now because there are there are people who um who care about trying to kind of like uh you know make Bradenton kind of a, a, a cooler place to be. And so there's um some friends of ours uh who have been uh trying to um they've got a little kind of promotional company called Independent Jones, uh, and they put on shows and events and stuff like that trying to kind of like bring other bands from out of towns to play at venues and stuff like that. And it's starting to, you know, and since they've been kind of rebuilding downtown and kind of like um, fixing up the, the village of the arts neighborhood, which is, which is really cool. Is it's, that where jerk dog is? Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I yeah. love Doug. Like that's Doug's awesome. Hidden gem. And totally. I go, you Absolutely. know, I go out there all the time. And yeah. We have a song that kind of mentions that mentions his. Story. Oh, really? Well, it's not out yet. Oh. It's, it's we're working on some new stuff. Really? Yeah. I was going to get there. I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very cool. No, I love Doug. I, yeah. I, 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 I chat with him daily on Facebook. Now he's yeah, been he's working awesome. out and he's, He's like he's uh dude, he's living clean he, and healthy and like he threw some some drunk dude out of his place the other day because he put a mask on. <laughs> I was like loving it because Doug, I mean, weighs you know 130 pounds right. soaking wet. Right, so right. the fact that he's bouncing his uh yeah. his tiny little record store is pretty badass. That's awesome. So um so when so that first self titled uh, comes out, that's just you. Yeah. Um and, and as I understand it, you know the first one's kind of easy because you've just built up all this material, all these things you want to say. It's usually like the second and the third one where it's like, okay, now from scratch, I got to do it again. Right, right, right. Well, um, there is that thing. There is that kind of like, uh, okay, now I got to figure something out. I got to figure something out, but. When I was doing the EP, I was still in another band. Okay. So when I was recording these songs, I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking about it in the long term. It was more just an outlet. It was kind of like, I'm getting into this kind of like rootsier kind of singer songwriter stuff. And this is my outlet for it. I'm recording them on this console and like, this is kind of what I'm doing. And I'll maybe pick up some solo shows from here from time to time in between other shows that we were still playing with the chase theory with the first band. And, um, at a certain point I had to kind of like break it to the other two guys, my brother, Danny and, and our drummer, JP, that like, I felt like I was done. <clears throat> Sorry. This is the problem with giving people guests beer. Well, no, uh, <clears throat> my my allergies. Oh, okay. Well, I, what I do is I give them a can of beer and they end up burping in the mic. No, 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 it's not burping. All right. I'm, just, I'm All clearing right. out my throat because okay. my allergies have been insane. Um, but having to tell them that, like, I think we've done as much as we can do as the chase theory. I'm doing this other thing, and I'd like for you guys to kind of get on board with it. If you were they into that type of music at the time, it. not so much. I mean, yeah. it was kind of you know, it was an, it was kind of like. Um, it took a, took a little bit of time and a little bit of, uh, you know, persuasion before they were ready to kind of like try to do something in a quieter, more subdued way. Cause we were just so used to full blast. Kicking out the jam. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> so my, at, you know, at a certain point they got on board. My brother got a stand up bass, learned how to play it in seconds you know what i mean <laughs> so you guys have that gene you have that thing in you. <clears throat> yeah it was um you know the transition was pretty seamless once everybody was on board um and once we got going it you know it just kind of felt really good and felt pretty natural and then 
once we kind of like put the band together and got in the studio to work on a on the first full full band full length record it all kind of just came together and we you know i'm i'm still really happy with the the way that first uh, casting shadows of the way that first record came out. Well, Scott and Sean and other people that I've asked about you and talked about the band, you know, they talk about, you know, that you have a, a that, you know, they, they, the, your intellect comes into the conversation, literary comes into the conversation. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm a big fan of hardcore and punk music, but I also sure. like Americana folk, you know, yeah, yeah. and, and it's weird because I, I think that music is equally as punk as punk music because, oh, sure, you know, where one is the the id is just primal fury. The just other one is lyrically kind of deceptive and perverse and and breaking down, uh, you know, breaking down things in a way, um, you know, kind of poking, kind of poking at society and poking at the, uh, you know, the way that everything is kind of set up um dylan was amazing at that you know is I mean? there anybody more punk than dylan is no, there anybody dude. more punk than zevon i mean johnny cash i mean but fucking, johnny cash you know i mean, I mean like, yeah these like i i almost think they're kind of you know if you're going to be in a shootout do you want ian mckay or do you want johnny cash you know you, you know who's gonna fucking yeah. be shoulder to shoulder with you point, yeah point. so i it's funny because where one is more kind of out in front with the machismo with, with as the it is the other the, one is a little bit more you know deceptive and yeah, kind of lures you absolutely, into absolutely and like the you know the i got into that kind of writing and the turning of a phrase and the kind of like you know the little twists and jabs that you can do and kind of like writing from the place of a um of like a character Talk about, I mean, for you know sure, I mean? yeah. Like, you know, if you read Springsteen's book or listen to him talk, you know, the misconception about him forever was that he was, you know, talking about his life, and he's like, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm not, I'm not wanted, or, wanted by the mob in Atlantic City. I'm right, not, right, you know, right. riding my motorcycle. Right. You know, or it's like all a, just, yeah. He's like, a, you know, I'm not a factory worker, right? Or, you know, I'm not, yeah. But he, but he was the voice of all of those people. You know what I mean? Like because he believed in it. And when he was writing from that perspective, you believed him when you were listening. But he was to a him. very literary, you know, he Absolutely. talked about Steinbeck and Whitman and yeah, Burroughs yeah, yeah. and Kerouac and the American dream For and, sure. you know, the, 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 the failure, the death of the American dream, yep. like all these things that were promised. Yep. It's not really what's out there, you yep. know, and that's so at the heart of all this music that you play. And Absolutely. That we talk about. And so it's very honest in that way, much like punk and hardcore. A hundred percent. So uh, I feel know. the same kind of like, uh, the same energy um, with the songs that I'm, you know, that I'm writing now as I did with, you know, the early, I mean, Danny and I's first little band that we had with our little buddies yeah. from across from the next street over before you could even be, consider yourself straight edge. We were a little straight edge, hardcore band called impact. Like that was our, that's that great. Was our a great name. name. And uh, <clears throat> so it was like, we were, you know, do you know the guy from Zach from Belching Penguin that's down there? Lives down there. I don't know him personally, but okay. I, I, I reached about, yeah. out to him. So I, I've had the guys from Slap Reality on yeah, recently. Yeah. Frank, I listened to the Frank, one Frank and yeah. Joey or Joe, and they're yeah. all like Belching Penguin, greatest hardcore band from Florida ever. And everybody's saying this is like, how do I not know this band? So I went on YouTube. I, I couldn't find it on Spotify. I went on YouTube and listened to it. I was like, 
this is right in the pocket with minor threat, black flag. Oh, yeah, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Why is this? Why do I not know about that? Because right. I feel like I'm pretty tapped into Tune that into world. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, how did I not know about this? And so uh, I reached out to Joe this week. I was like, can you, do you know any of the guys? Like, yeah, Zach down there. So I reached out and I was like, can I put this on Spotify for you? Because oh, I know wow, artists hate Spotify, but it's the best way to share music with. Every, that's how everyone listens to music. I mean, if so you're like the, you if can... you're somebody who's going to perceivably make money off of album sales, I yeah. could understand why Spotify is a problem. But right, if, right, right. if your bread and butter is just playing shows and you need to get your name out there, I think it's really, 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 really good. So, but I'm trying to, there's, I guess, no club promotion or I've got to go through all these. Yeah. Yeah. That's Tony at, uh, you know, Apple. Tony. Yeah. I'm going to drop your name. So, so my buddy Greg is a singer for Wolfface. Um, he had this band from Clearwater called Next Season, and it was a hardcore band, but it was based off Star Wars. And uh, there's nice. a song, Homeward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text nice. you. I love this song. But anyway, they didn't have their stuff up. We got it up. And then Elliot Mayo, who works for me now, he sings for uh, Vacancy and Wreath. He had this band called Escapist. And so I found this little niche of finding people's like early bands or yeah, old bands dude. that at the time there wasn't Spotify. And since then, no one's really thought to put it up. Dude, I mean, there's, you know, there's like, there's bands that because... We were coming up in our time and we were playing shows with bands that we thought were fucking, you know, the shit. Everything, yeah. You know what I mean? But they were really, looking back on it, they were just kind of regional bands that were kind of, you know, just maybe getting a record on a small label from time to time. Right. Something like that, you know what I mean? Um, we're, you know, playing shows with, you know, there was a band No Fraud back in the day. Um that was a fucking killer band. And like, you know, our little band got to open up shows time to time, you know, for these bands. Did you ever come up to awesome. Pinellas to play or did you ever come over the bridge or um, not? And not in those days we were, we were too young to really do any kind of like we were 14 years old. I mean, fun we junction really... pizza place. That was where all of the food. I do believe, I do believe a certain, um, I do believe we came up at, you know, maybe when we got to be in the later version of what we were doing, which was, uh, we were called Brain Cloud and it was, uh, which was taken from like a Tom Hanks movie called Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> what he had, you know, what's wrong yeah. with him or whatever. It's called a Brain Cloud. So we were that and we were, um, and we started to kind of get into the, that know, scene, yeah. Surrounding areas and stuff like that got out of Bradenton, started playing in Tampa and started, you know, playing in St. Pete and stuff like that. Um, but it was, you know, looking back on it now, it's so insane what we were doing and, and all these different um, kind of stages that we went through along the way because it was like, first it was like the little straight edge hardcore thing. And then it was kind of like we got into Metallica and Slayer. And so we had our own kind of like little, you know, metal band called dementia and then we were kind of like is this stuff out there can you find it is i doubt it, it. Yeah. i mean there's you know i think probably my friend jason has all these recordings he, he was he's like the one he's like kind of like the the scene um documentarian you yeah know what i mean like where he kind of like he opens up the book and dude, he's like a scrapbooker it's, <laughs> it's like demos that you forgot sure you even put out you know what i mean and so um there's stuff like that out there but all these different kind of like stages that we went through of, of music that we were into, we didn't really change like 
players or anything. We just kind of changed the name of the band and started playing more. You're evolving. I mean, you're getting older, you know, you're at a different place in your life. Your perspective is different. So, you know, so that was going to be one of the questions I asked you is how many albums deep, how many LPs deep are you in Have Gun? It's like six, seven. So, yeah, with Have Gun, we um, were, were six full LPs. And then I just put out a couple months ago the uh, the, demo. the demos yeah, thing. Yeah, I was listening to that today. So that was, um, you know, I just I just put that out kind of digitally, um, just as kind of like feed the people during yeah, COVID. Some, you know, something yeah, new it's, to, it's kind yeah. of like a, it's an idea that I've you know had for a long time. I've wanted to kind of like compile um, what I thought might be like the best versions of some of the demos that I that I had done or whatever, and. Um, you know, because for me personally, that's something, if I'm into an artist, like, that's something super interesting All the way in, for me. For sure, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'd love to hear the the original kind of, like, inspiration, like, the kind of, like, the source of where the songs came from that I'm familiar with on the records or whatever. Um, so, I just did it as kind of a fun thing for, like, any of our, you know, any of our, like, you know, followers or whatever that um, that are interested in it. But... As far as like full length, full band records, we're six in. And you're writing something new. Yeah, yeah. So do you do you have to strive to keep yourself titillated or is it, you know, is there a, no, dude. do you I, place a new challenge in front of you or is you just itching to get it out? I I love doing it so much and it's I'm com- just I'm kind of like compelled internally compelled. There's a there's a there's a motor that just won't turn off, you know what I mean? And I have turned it off for for periods of time. Um, we had a stretch after we put out the uh, Science from an Easy Chair record. Where that's the concept album, right? yeah, that or, seems like I mean, a, a, a amazing album. But that might have I could see how that might have sapped your creative juices or it something. It was very, uh, it was draining. And then at the same time, how was the logger? Uh, this is the one I'm getting. Yeah, ready the to one check logger out. you just finished. How was that? That was good. All right. Yeah, yeah, no, that was awesome. Thanks to Hidden Springs for uh, unintentionally, you know, feeding us beer Funding tonight. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, the beverage uh, yeah. budget, but the, um, but the, uh, where was I? What were we talking? We're about? talking about the concept album and how you yeah, turned yeah, yeah. it off so for a period of time was, after that. So it was kind of um, we had gone through. So we put that record out. It took us about nine months to record it. That's the one that we did with Sean Kyle. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, we're in and out of his studio. Was his studio up here at that time? Or? It was in, yeah, it was in like Hyde Park area. What year was that approximately? This was 2015. Okay, so the Bovilles were already over and he yeah. was more doing production and yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so um, he was awesome to work with, by the way. Isn't he a, he's a fucking character out of a movie. I feel he like totally he's, is, dude. he's, uh, <laughs> who's, who's the guy in a, who's the, Oh, I had the name Marlon Brando, but like a young Marlon. Like I made this joke picture of him out in front of four green fields, leaning up against a motorcycle with like doves oh, flying yeah. by his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he's a man out of his out of time. He is. Yeah, he so. is. He's awesome. Yeah, and he was very hands on um, when it came to uh, working on that record because we were kind of writing it as we were recording it. I we we had gone into it thinking it was just going to be an EP, but the story that we were trying to, uh, you know, kind of pay tribute to with that record was too big a story to do it in 
five or six songs. Sure. You know what I mean? So it just ended up kind of turning into this full length record. And um and Sean was very uh involved. Was it based on something you were reading it. at the time? Or? Yeah, it was based on um there's a book called Endurance. Uh, and it's about Shackleton, the explorer Shackleton, mm-hmm. Ernest Shackleton. Um, and his uh, Antarctic uh, expedition of uh, 1916, yeah, I think, 1916 or 1915. And um, just the incredible story that that is. Uh, I had read the book. My wife uh, had recommended it. And I read it, and it was immediately one of my favorite books I had read, you know, it was just so compelling. And I, I had to kind of keep reminding myself while I was reading it, that this really happened to these guys. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these 22 people on this expedition really went through this and really came home alive and survived it. And it's kind of incredible. And uh, so that became uh, the inspiration for the record. Um, and I went, I went deep with it. I started watching a bunch of different documentaries. There's a Nova documentary. There's a ton of, there's like a hand, you know, probably half a dozen different documentaries on this, on this one expedition. And, uh, you know, just kind of got into, tried to get into the headspace of the, I mean, now this is coming from a guy who grew up on the Gulf coast of Florida, but I'm trying to, get into the headspace of these guys who were stuck in Antarctica for, you know, two years. Um, and but so, obviously it's <clears throat> speaking to something inside of you. It absolutely did you, was. did you peg what, what buttons it was pushing with you conceptually? Yeah. 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 Because it's, because it, you know, I started feeling that it was, it's these guys that are all in it together. Is that the band in this scenario? It or? Okay. It totally is. Okay. And it's them against the world sure which a lot of times when you're in a tour van you feel like that's you know it's splitting you a snickers bar for dinner the yeah, world. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's like no one other than the four or five of you that are in this van together have any idea what your world consists of you know what i mean right. like no one could possibly understand what you're going through when you're doing what you're doing and um, that became kind of the parallel, and that became how I was able to, you know, at least attempt to um, try to get myself into the headspace of some of these crew members and stuff and go like, okay, you you know, at a certain point, when you cut yourself off from the rest of the world, which they were entirely cut off from the rest of the world, um, you just have to rely on each other. And decide that like we're gonna get through all of this like obstacles everything that comes our way the only way we can do it is if we kind of band together and right make it happen you know what i mean so that kind of became the like you know what i was able to you know how i was able to kind of put myself into the story a little bit and um so the songs came the recording happened the record came out um right before we went on that the tour supporting that record, I um, ended up going to the ER with a heart issue. So, congenital or found out that it was a 
AFib, which is like a um, your heart goes out of rhythm. Like an arrhythmia, yeah. Yeah, it's an arrhythmia. And um, so that happened. And when it would happen, it wouldn't go back to a regular rhythm. It fucks with you. My wife has had that before, and she literally is like, I think you may need to take me to the hospital because she's not sure. Yeah. It's, It's totally terrifying. And I already you know, prior to that had been dealing with just anxiety disorder for sure. since my early twenties. Yeah. And so when Thanks that religion. Happens, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when that happens, when the arrhythmia happens and it kind of jumps out of rhythm, it kicks the anxiety into overdrive. High, yeah, high gear. Which um then basically uh just turns into this kind of whirlwind of you know adrenaline which is making the heart beat faster but it's out of rhythm so it's not beating right then you're hyperventilating then you're, yeah going, i mean yeah. it's like you you know i mean you're really medically moments away from a stroke at any point in, right. in that scenario and so in the er or in the hospital i should say after the er because basically what they had to do was um kind of uh, chemically do what the defibrillator does. Stabilize you somehow, yeah. It basically stops your heart so that it can restart on its own at a regular rhythm. Well, they can do that chemically now where they inject uh, they inject a chemical that basically does the same thing. It stops your heart, allows it to restart um, on its own, and then hopefully it's when it starts back up, it's on a regular rhythm. So... They eventually, this happened a couple of times, like ending up in the ER as a result of this before I was able to finally get a, uh, you know, get a cardiologist that was able to kind of figure out what was going on with me and get me on the right medication that was able to stabilize it. But prior to that, I didn't know that I was going to be able to continue being in the band because I, this was such a, you know, it was something that like my panic attacks would would happen kind of as a result of the adrenaline of playing shows in front of people. So they, those things became tied together. Sure. So it was like, did it ever get better over time or is it? Yeah, it totally has now. I mean, now that I'm properly medicated, I, I take medication for the, you know, for the arrhythmia. What about the repetition of playing in front of people or? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, but it's, I've had, even though I had, um, I had been doing that for, a considerable you know, amount of time, yeah. Yeah, probably half my life uh, before this all occurred. And I was still, I get such kind of nervous energy playing shows. I mean, that's how much I still care about doing it. That's how passionate about it that I still am. Even these, this many years into it, I still get nervous before shows, you know, right. even if they're not really big ones or whatever, like I still get anxious more because of what you're gonna think about it than what the crowd might think about it yeah it's not like you know i'm not like (laughs) you're your worst critic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. completely and it's just the kind of nervous energy of being excited about something right you know what i mean and so all of that stuff happening right before we went on this two-month full u.s tour in support of that record um by the time we got home from that tour we were all kind of just wiped out and it was like 
Yeah, we kind of need to step away for a little bit. Take a little break. Yeah. And I didn't write a thing. I didn't write anything for like a year after that. Yeah. You know. When did the commercials and the TV shows and all that stuff start happening? Yeah. Well, that we got really, really lucky with because um, uh, Scott had a friend that worked for this uh, agency. It was a a licensing uh, agency out of New York. And... um, we, they invited us to be on the roster of bands that they represent. Uh, and they, you know, they basically, they, they pitch music to clients who are looking for, you know. Was Sean Kyle involved in this story? Because he was telling me some story about a no, label not, or something like that. With, anyway, all right, go this, ahead. Not with this particular part of it. But um, so when we, uh, no, we, we shared a, uh, we shared a, uh, a booking agent. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, But so when we got, um, you know, when Scott kind of like talked to his buddy who worked for this uh, licensing company agency, they brought us on board. And within like two weeks, they had pitched one of our songs to Chevy. And we ended up getting a Chevy commercial, like a national Chevy uh, ad campaign on TV. Um, and they used one of our songs for it and it was a pretty nice chunk of change for, you know, where we were at at the time. Right. We had kind of been doing like, uh, and it was really exciting. We're like, okay, this is, you know, man, this is going to be awesome. And then unfortunately something weird happened scheduling wise with the commercial shoot itself for the commercial that was going to be using our song, uh, it got like a like a filming day got rained out, and so they ended up going with another commercial that shot at the same time that was using a different song. <laughs> but our commercial aired just a few random times in right. kind of like random markets or whatever like that. But even in just that situation, we still did pretty well. Yeah, and so it was kind of like our initiation into the kind of the world of you know music licensing, and since then. We've been in, you know, we've had songs in like four or five different TV shows, um, several, uh, you know, commercial radio and TV commercial campaigns and stuff like that. And a couple of like indie movies and, and that kind of thing. And we do get, you know, we get asked by the by the licensing company ahead of time, like, are you guys cool with being, you know, with us pitching sure. to these to this client or whatever? It's and kind of a, a a a new lane to break into. And if it would seem to me like once you've got one, then you could say, Oh yeah, well, we got the Chevy commercial. Oh yeah, we got this TV show, you know. Yeah, it dude. kind of becomes this snowball it its effect. Own kind yeah. of like resume almost. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, well, these guys have been used in a handful of things. Right. And, you know, the, the relationship that we have with the company that we work with, like, is really good. And they, you know, we're friends with them. When we when we go to New York or whatever, we try to, you know, get to meet up and hang out with them and go out and have drinks or whatever. But, like, it's a very, uh, you know, it's something that I, that's very valuable to us. And I feel like we're very lucky and very fortunate to be in, the, in that position. And that relationship has definitely... Um, helped us kind of get through some rough patches. You know what I mean? Like financially, it kind of helps us do the things that we need to do to kind of keep keep the wheels on the. You know, the it's bus, always amazing. You know? Like to me, because you know, there's bands that I I've grown up listening to and loving and thinking they were gods, and then later on come to find out like uh, 
What was I watching the other day? It was a Mud Honey documentary. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mark Arm. I've seen the same thing. He works. He's like, he's if, if you, guy, yeah, yeah if you're box. ordering yeah. it, he's the one who's fucking sending it <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah. I was like, what? He's you know, receiving guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big Melvin's fan, and they totally. they put out a documentary called Colossus of Destiny. And I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. It fucking pisses me off though because you have to buy it through their website. And then the only place you could watch it is on Vimeo, which I don't even, I still don't even get why anybody oh, would use Vimeo. One of those, one of those so deals. it licenses it to Vimeo. And now when I try and watch it, like I paid for it, I didn't rent it, I bought yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It says this is not available in your territory. And I've, I've literally emailed, uh, uh, it's not Ipecac, that's, that's Mike Patton. What's the name of their, I can't remember, but, uh, that's frustrating. Anyway, but, um, so his, his, uh, wife, Buzz Osborne's wife does all of the graphic design for all of their album covers. Oh, all right. And they press, they, pr- they in-house press all their vinyl. Nice. They do these limited run, like really kind of artsy jackets and all this other yeah. stuff. And, you know, they, th- he's a guy who, you know, he's driving around on a Honda Accord still and they put yeah, out yeah. 50 albums. They're right. revered by totally, every fucking band in the world. Totally. But, you that's, know, that's, a, that's, that's a thing that you come to realize at a certain point when you're, you know, when you're in a band and like, uh, you know, we've played shows with like heroes of ours. So that, that was a question I wanted to get and into. Yeah. Like, wow. Like these guys are struggling as hard as we are. You They're know still what I mean? setting up their own drums and yeah, everything yeah, else. Absolutely. So, so who are some of the, so, some of the people you've played with that were memorable or, or shows that kind of stick out in your mind? And Oh man. Um, you played with Wilco? No, okay. I would love to. I would love to. Um, we've done, uh, I'm trying to think of like over the entire span of the, of the whole thing back in the day, like uh, chase theory, we got to play with Sam. I am. And that was huge because we were like, we were big fans of Sam I Am. That's such a big pop punk threshold drug for a lot of people. Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Frank, when he was in here, me had a Sam I Am shirt on, and that name comes up a lot. And yeah. then you go about 10 years younger it, with my guests, and all of them learn to play listening to Dookie. Of course. That's of everybody course. learned. Yeah, like yeah, anybody yeah, yeah. who's 36 or 37 and plays music, yep. that fucking album, they just Absolutely. played it. You know, so it's funny 100%. how there's these. And Gateway they, and drugs. They were, and they were contemporaries. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, in San Francisco, like those bands were on the same bill together with Jawbreaker and, you know, like. Slap Reality almost <laughs> had Green Day open for them, which is I fucking heard, hilarious. The, That's hilarious. I, I love that. Yeah. Episode, yeah. 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 So, That's um, a wild story. Anyway, so uh, people that you played with. So, I mean, since we've been doing, uh, you know, the Have Gun thing, we've had a few um, pretty, you know, uh, fortunate situations. We got to. Um, I mean, a lot of like festivals and stuff where you're kind of like playing, like luckily being able to kind of play on the main stage as some of some of, you know, these big artists. What's cool is we have friends that are promoters and uh, we get to play things like the Gasparilla Music Festival and stuff like that. I was going to ask because I I, I try to I think the first year I went was the Flaming Lips or something was a headliner. And I was wondering, you know, which which ones you were on. We were on the Ryan Adams one, which was. Oh man, I love that! Wild, I love that dude. album. I love that yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. And then he fucking shits the I bed know, with dude. that bullshit. It kills it me. Was, it, it was. And so, that new album is really so, good, it but it's rough, just I have dude. this little voice in my ear that's like, can't support this. Can't support this. I know it sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like, and we did a thing with uh, with Willie Nelson. Oh wow. Um, well, shit. I mean. That's like touring with Jesus. Or yeah, playing with I mean, that's, what, that's what, that's what else the is there? Of the, that's yeah. at the top of the list for sure. But I mean, we've got to, you know, we've got to tour with. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Deer Tick, the band Deer oh, Tick. Oh, for sure. 
So we got to do um, like they came to Florida and they had um, great band, amazing band, and they had uh, oh, who was it that was uh, that was kind of direct support? Um, anyway, we got to open like three shows. We did um, Tampa, Orlando, and uh, and one other show, and so we did their kind of like Florida leg of the tour. Open it up for them, and it was that was awesome. That was a great time. I got to you know kind of shoot the shit with John McCauley a little bit about songwriting and stuff. And uh, I just all these, I you know, I was listening to your music today, trying to. I always kind of figure out where I put it. And you know, one song I was like, this kind of reminds me of the old ninety sevens. This one, you know, yeah, man, and somehow those guys, those they're they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, we yeah. got to play at Skippers with them. Open up for them one time. Well, they're especially their earlier stuff. There's very much a punk vibe. Oh, I mean, sure, it's man. almost uh, what was the one song? It always reminds me of a Minutemen song. The the guitars, the really oh, tinny, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they, I mean, time bomb or they whatever. They have a very similar kind of like time bomb. Could some be some of those songs have a very kind of like you know up tempo, energetic, real yeah. kind of like you know. Have you seen the We Jam Econo documentary? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about driving around in the van and how it's you against the world and yeah. all this other oh stuff. Oh, my God. If Mike Watt isn't Ahab of that whole uh, 100%, world. Yeah. 100%. He's, he's like a he's a guru in that in that kind of world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as far as bands deciding we're going to do our own thing and we don't really need anyone else to kind of like help us do it. Like we're just going to do what we do. I mean, Minutemen were so – so specific and so distinct. They weren't punks. And they I mean, were, they weren't that music at all. No, but I mean, they were San Pedro. Like, yeah. They were like just these working class family kids that were just like, you know, we're going to, we're going to do a thing. And like, this is kind of what it sounds like when we do our thing. You yeah. Know what I mean, and it was incredible. They're, they're great dudes. And like, you know, I love watching Mike Watt talk, he, you know, everything he says. He's a fucking character out of a movie. And everything he says, there's some, there's some, nugget of wisdom in it you know what i mean like he's done so much i mean he's toured with iggy and he's you know done all this amazing shit and uh yeah he's a he's a hero man so with this new album is it is, tell me how much i could talk about so, it because i don't know i mean we can kind of get into it a little bit we're uh basically what we're gonna do is instead of um kind of the the same structure that we've done over the last decade or more which is put out a full-length record, try to get a little bit of press around it, try to do some touring behind it, um, and just make a couple videos, try to get you know try to get as much traction, uh, as much momentum as you can get going off of it. Um, we're like right now in the world, you know, in the music kind of uh, in the world of music, we're in kind of like a wild west territory as far as like there are no rules to how you can release music there are no rules to you know what you can do uh what you should do it's kind of like every artist for themselves kind of thing like figure out you can if you can dream it you can do it it's that it's like figure out what works for you what works for your fans what they want from you really try to um strengthen the relationship with the people who support you and, you know, who follow you and, and care about what you're doing, find out what they want, you know? And, um, so we're, we're just going to try to mess around with a few different ideas. And so this idea is that instead of putting out a full length record, 
and doing the kind of thing, you know, the thing that you do in the in the in the order that you do things in. We're breaking it up and we're doing like a two EPs kind of back to back thing. So it's going to be two six song EPs, basically about, you know, we're going to try. With, the plan is we don't we we don't have a timeline completely put together, completely you know, ironed out quite yet. But the but the plan is um, release them probably three to four months apart, kind of back to back. And um, because what happens is you put a record out, there's like two songs that kind of people and everything else gets lost. Yeah. And then there's a whole nine songs that you've put just as much, much time and love and effort into that just disappear into, into the ether. Yeah. That is just like, it's just kind of filler on the back. of. The I love, I love that songs, concept, you know, I mean? you know and, and it's funny because uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember which, which radio head album it was, but that, they were the first ones that I remember that like, you found out that morning that they have a new album out. Like yeah, you didn't was, even know uh, that they were working on in it. Rainbows when they was that what it was? Put that out, which on is a, a fucking one of my favorite. Yeah, radio awesome. But it's just like holy shit! Yesterday, it wasn't. There. They weren't even on my timeline. And, and it tomorrow, is, and it's a pay what you want kind of a situation. Pay what you want, yeah. and as I understand it, they did pretty fucking well yes. with pay what you want versus absolutely a set price. And then another person that I've always kind of been into is uh, Suf- Sufjan Stevens. Oh, or I love Sufjan, yeah. And he always does like, he's doing one now. Like he's like every month putting something out, but he did like that Christmas album. Yeah. And he's done like a handful of Christmas albums. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Arcade Fire just put out like a 45 minute instrumental album. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like about just, that. just like yesterday or something. No shit. Yeah. And so just dropped it out of nowhere. Yeah. And That's so, awesome. uh, I'm loving that part of it. And so here's my, here's my premise. And I don't know shit. Like I, I don't come from, a, I'm, I'm a music fan, but I, you know, but I feel like, and I've said this a bunch of times before that now is the time for local acts because, and, and really kind of the person that opened me up to this idea was Tom DeGeorge saying, if you break the pipeline of national touring acts, they're just not going to come. It's not going to be worth it for them to come here anymore. For sure. And so for people like me who love need live music, just yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're the only show in town is going to be the local bands. And so the great thing, and I, I said that it's funny because I'm the only person who's been in every one of these podcasts. So I get bored of hearing myself talk about it. Probably people haven't heard as much as I've heard myself <laughs> say it, but um, this show has allowed me to have a passion for local music that I didn't have before I did it because I just didn't know about it. Like I knew about it, but I didn't know about it. You know, I, I, I was very tapped into national acts or if it wasn't national acts, it was a DC hardcore band or whatever, but I've just been absolutely blown away by what a rich history, Florida in general, and this area specifically has had. And, you know, I, it's, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, Trey Azagthoth, who's the creator of Morbid Angel. Oh, no And so, you know, I, and I've got this whole death metal, you know, thing that I'm into. I really want to talk to the Morrison guys. We were into that. We were into that. Oh yeah. Death and DSC, the DSI and obituary. The album, the, the, the album human. Uh Uh-huh. I have two copies in my office. Oh my God. That was kind of life changing. Did you watch that documentary? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, I just feel like, and so here's my kind of, as I'm falling in love with have gun, will travel, falling in love with slap reality, falling in love with, you know, you name it. Uh, I'm I'm so stoked to know these people and 
preach the gospel of this music. And I feel like now as we're kind of hopefully coming out of this, you mm-hmm. know, I get my second shot tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a couple see, weeks away from mine. Yeah. We see Will Quinlan tomorrow night, which is pr- I'm pretty excited about because I've never seen him before. And that album, like I was blown uh, away by uh, still Navasota. He's one of my favorites. And he's kind of like, I could say that he might be one of the kind of like essential uh people in this having area. travel getting off the ground. Really? Yeah. He brought me on to, he was doing a, uh, I, had, I had played a couple of shows um, solo as Have Gun Will Travel. Um, and it was just me and an acoustic guitar and, you know, a handful of songs that I'd written and a few covers and stuff like that. I had played a couple shows with him um, and he really kind of like liked what was going on and he got, he got behind it. He was doing a, uh, a thing on WMNF, a, uh, like live music showcase thing, which they have a artist come in and do like an hour. Um, he had a live music showcase that he was doing. He asked me if I would come in and do like half of the time, like get, basically gave me like half of the, his right. time. To play my song. Right. And to kind of basically introduce Have Gun Will Travel to the WMNF kind of listening, uh, you know, community. Well, it's such a great person to kind of give you a hand Dude. because he's introducing you to his followers. And it's yeah. a very, you know, if there's a Venn diagram of Have Gun Will Travel and Will Quinlan, yeah, he, there's a, yeah. some overlap there. He's, so. he's huge. He's he's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites. Very people. super shy. I, I was talking to Clay Parkinson from New World Brewery and I was like, I'd love to have him on my show. And he's like, well, I'll talk to him, but very introverted. He's yeah. very uh, soft-spoken. Probably heavy-hearted, soft-spoken. Soft-spoken. Like you're probably going to get short. He's the Jay Mascus of, uh, yeah. of Americana. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. He's, he's probably going to love that. Well, there you go. There you go. I'm, I'm blowing smoke up his skirt in advance of the show tomorrow night. So, uh, is where are you guys out in the process of the the double EP double album? Is it? So is we're it, tracking songs for both of them right now, and we kind of have a uh, pretty good idea what the sequencing is going to be for one versus the other. Um, we're actually going in on Saturday. Um, uh, Scott, who you've you've had on the podcast, um, he's got a studio. Tom York's twin brother. Yeah. That he uh, he's got a studio. <laughs> uh, you know that he had built at his house, which is where we do all of our rehearsals. That's it's awesome. where we do all of our recording. Um, and so he's, uh, so we're going to be there on Saturday and we're going to be tracking a bunch of stuff and hopefully knocking out a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the tracking for the songs for the first of the two EPs so that we can kind of get things under wraps be- or, on, you know, get, get the ball rolling because, um, we're planning on doing vinyl for both, and there's a pretty long turnaround time for getting vinyl. I would rest. have to imagine it's even worse right now because, like, <laughs> with fucking COVID, like, you couldn't order anything that had plastic in it for, it like, is. a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And we're actually – and there's a there's a new uh, skateboard deck design that we're working on trying to get uh, – For the band? Printed, yeah. We already had one that we did. We, pre- we, uh, we printed uh, – I should have – we don't have any left, but I should have at least brought mine to show you what it looked like. If you do a new um, one, I'm, we're doing a I'm new one. Putting, I'm putting an advance order in now. We're doing a new one, but the guy that we went to for the last order said that it's going to be like a nine month turnaround oh, wow. time. You know what I mean? Because it's like 
just I don't know why. I mean, so many people are 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 getting stuff done right now. So like we um so we're we're gonna be doing vinyl for both of the two EPs. And uh so I'm hoping to get the uh you know recording process wrapped up as quickly as we can so that we can get it mastered and then we can get the uh you know the vinyl vinyl pressing underway. And um is there a concept or is it just kind of is there a a muse? There is. There is. I don't think I'm completely ready to disclose it get into that quite yet (laughs) fertile ground man fertile you know this is the thing and i you know this show kind of came about before covid but you know as i had artists on it's like are you writing a protest album right now are you writing you know like and everybody was like hey you know they didn't kind of know what they were doing i was like we got this fucking guy in the in the white house we've got this plague like fucking it's it's the grapes of wrath all over again it should be the most fertile time for art in general. That was my hope. You know what I mean? Um, but what I've found is that you really, it's almost kind of subconscious what gets into my song. I can only speak for myself. What gets into my songs. And then I, and then I kind of see in hindsight. So you're, yeah, sure. You're interpreting what you did after the fact instead of an intelligent design. I'm looking back and seeing what I was reacting to when I wrote something. But at the time, I don't feel like I'm writing this song about what's going on currently. You know what I mean? Because I'm not. But that's why it's so great. That's what, you know, so you you mentioned anxiety and and I could do 10 more episodes with you on anxiety. Uh, You know, I grew up. First. only child both my parents were alcoholics i mean adorable people but alcoholics and right. and uh you know always had horrible anxiety and then uh you know i started therapy in about 2017 and so and by the way then prozac was what really saved the day for me but the, is that what, is that oh, what did it? holy fucking shit yeah i can't just fucking well and, and it's funny because although i'm not out. i don't mm-hmm. i'm not an artist as it were like I, that was where I came. I like, I was really into concert posters and music and comic yeah, yeah, books. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, you know, I was, I was kind of an artist that never put anything out in the world, but I always had this fear that it was going to dull. Really? Whatever that yeah. is, you know, and, and I, I would mention Mark yeah, yeah. Marin and Mark Marin's interviewed a bunch of comedians and, yep. you know, th- those are some of the darkest people oh, hell yeah. you'll ever talk to. Absolutely. And, and that's a recurring theme with them is, you know, so many suicides in comedy, you know, and, they didn't get the help that they needed because they were afraid it was going to dull their sword. Yeah, and exactly. Didn't not for me. It it you know I I spent years and years and years every morning waking up felt like someone was sitting on my chest. Felt guilty about something that I couldn't figure out what I felt guilty about. Oh yeah, just this awful shit. And so, but in in what you're talking about after the fact, you know, I'll talk to my therapist. Uh, shout out to Carrie Cohen, she's the best. Um, nice. She, uh, like, you know, I'll talk about a fight that I had with my wife last year. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why do you think, you know, and all of a sudden, like, the clouds part. And it's like, oh, oh that's what wow. I was. That's what it. Right. <laughs> and so. That's what I was reacting to. So, I no it, idea. as you're explaining the songs, I would imagine, you know, it is, it is man, therapeutic and medicinal in the same way. When you're in the middle of writing songs, it's kind of like, okay, what? what words fit into this melody that I'm making right now? Like, you know, like what, how, like, do you uh, hear it first before you write the words? Like do a you lot hear of the- times the melody comes before the words ever do. And so you're kind of like, and so me personally, again, like, uh, you know, a lot of times when the melody comes first, you're kind of like basically 
like a puzzle. You're trying to kind of fit syllables into the this, beats. Yeah, this, that counts. This, yeah, you know, um, you know, this melody that's already there, uh, or this cadence that's already kind of like established in your mind. And so you're kind of like trying to figure out what's going to sound. What's you know, does this sound? Ne- does this sound? Does this work? Like if these syllables together like go into this uh, this kind of already established. Um, you know, cadence that's uh, that's already kind of like set up here. And so as it's happening, you know, you're just not really, I mean, unless you go into it with a real, like, I got to write a song about this one specific thing. It's usually that sucks, right? <clears throat> usually that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up being heavy handed and it's, you know. Like on the nose, too, yeah. On the nose and it's, too, you know, it's just kind of like, eh, it doesn't really. It's not going to like really connect with anybody. You know right. what I mean? And so then like the ones where you kind of just accidentally put things in place. And as you get closer and closer to the, to the finish line of putting this song together, you kind of look back at it and go, that kind of makes more sense than I thought it did when it was coming out of my mouth. You know what I mean? And like now, I totally get what I, what that means. You know, it's a different thing. And so I'm of the um, mindset that like, I don't, I don't think songs should be explained to the listener. I think the listener is uh, entitled to their own interpretation of whatever that is. And if it means this one thing to them, that it doesn't, that it doesn't necessarily mean to me when I wrote it, then that's, theirs they're allowed to have that they're entitled to their interpretation of that song you know what i mean i don't need to sit there and tell you what every line of the song what i was thinking when i wrote it because i think that kind of takes some of the steam out of it you know what i mean i love that concept and i've thought about that often as the listener is kind of the I'll say fifth member, just Absolutely. assuming that there's four in the band. But, Absolutely. you know, there's there's you're given this gift that has a piece missing and you're the missing piece to whatever that song totally, is. Totally, dude. Totally. And, you know, and what's great about it, as you're saying, is it's it's a snowflake, like how it it's lands with me and how it lands with you and how it lands with him. And it's be different for everybody. Yeah, it's just so it's this beautiful singular thing for everybody and i just think that's absolutely amazing and that's and that's kind of been a shift from um you know earlier on in the have gun uh you know catalog if you will like a lot of the songs were these kind of like um fictional kind of like narrative storytelling type songs where it's like you know this coming from the from the uh perspective of a Kind of fictional character. Because life hasn't happened to you yet when you're 20. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, most yeah, yeah. people. But <clears throat> as people die, as you have kids, as you, you know. And so, what I, ha- what I, what I feel like I've um, kind of gotten more interested in um, over the last few years and the last couple of records, you know, I've fallen further away from the idea of doing the kind of like narrative storytelling type of song from the perspective of a character and doing more kind of like maybe abstract, maybe kind of like, um, you know, just kind of like stream of consciousness kind of writing at the time while I'm in the process of writing the song. 
And then later looking back on it and going like, okay, now I see what I was doing there. I see what that was what that meant to me at the time. Um, But a lot of times when you do that, you're leaving it kind of like open for interpretation and that can connect to people in a completely different way because they can apply it, you know, to themselves in such a different, you know, in so many different ways. And so that's kind of like what's got me excited now. And I'm like in a place right now where I'm like, I'm excited about the band. I'm excited about like what we're doing, what we're working on right now. And like probably more than I have been in a, in a really long that's time. Awesome. And yeah. I'm really stoked for what we have coming up in the, you know, in the future. And I, I'm just like, you know, excited for what we can do and what the, you know, what the possibilities are, because I think it's, you know, with everything that's happened over the last year and stuff, I mean, we're getting, you know, like things are going to kind of like start to, you know, start to kind of like get back to some sense of, of, of normalcy at some point. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I feel like once we all get to that point and we're comfortable, um, it's just like the, you know, the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like we can just kind of do whatever. And I'm excited about what we're doing with these two EPs. I think that's going to be super fun. And, um, you know, and by the time we have them put out, we're probably going to be able to do a little bit of touring around them and stuff like that. Is there that. any shot at one of the songs making its way into the May 15th show or is that... You have we to wait have and see. actually oh. been playing okay. one or two of them already. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So definitely, definitely. Awesome. 100%. Awesome. Well, Matt, I, this has been everything I hoped it would be and more. I feel like I, you know, I could get into language and you know esoteric language and all these other topics with you, but um, I've taken up enough of your time. Oh, so. Josh, thank you so much for having me, man. This is this is. I was really looking forward to this. Well, I'm excited. This is you know this is going to be a, a greatest hit, as it were, and uh, looking forward to your show. Looking forward to the new album and just seeing what what lies ahead in the future of Have Gun Will Travel, Matt thank you, Burke, buddy. and the boys. All right, thank I you so much. It. Thanks for having me. All right.